Hello and welcome back to another edition of We Ate All the Pies. Premier League is back. Football is back. I'm actually catching up on uh, some Italian league football in the background, some Serie A, uh, Roma versus Juve. Um, so Jose versus, I, is who's the manager of Juventus now? Jordan? Is it sorry? I can't remember. Uh, I believe, I believe so. I, I believe it is, I believe it's sorry. Um, after, um, Allegri, he left, right? Yes. Yeah, he left. Okay. Yes. And then before that it was, um, I want to say it was, oh God, I, the, the midfield maestro himself, he was a manager for a bit. Uh, come on, Adam. You Pirlo? Know he played for AC. Yeah. Yeah, Pirlo. Yeah, Pirlo, yeah. Interesting. I'll have to catch up on him. I wonder wonder how he's doing. But this is uh, an English football podcast. We will bring that to you in a minute. But first, I will formally introduce... Wow. Try that again. But first, I will formally introduce uh, my partners in crime for this podcast uh you've already heard him so we'll just go ahead and call his name once again on the road once again this week it is jordan hello jordan hello adam um i just gotta say meet the new boss same as the old boss you know 329 billion dollars and results stay the same we will talk Plenty about the first game under Newcastle's new regime. But first, I have to introduce uh, partner in crime number two. But the numbers don't matter. It's just the the order that we're going in this week. Caleb, all the way out in Georgia. Hi, Caleb. How are you doing this week? Second on your schedule for some hearts. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. It's getting a little chilly here in Georgia, and we'll take that. I know. Oh, it, feel, it, it does feel good. Although, I'm... I I had to put my slippers on this weekend, which makes me feel a little bit old, but my feet get super cold this time of year, especially now that we have the hardwood floors. Um, To be fair, you are like 0.5% body fat, so I won't put slippers on until the middle of December. Oh. So uh, this this is going to bring up a quick quick little story. Uh, So what Caleb is referring to, so so background, Caleb and I went to college together, um, roomed together for, for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, I had a, I used to have a really hard time, like keeping weight, like it was super low, like lower than it should be. Like you need to go to the doctor low. Um, yeah, it got scary sometimes. I had the opposite problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so that, so I gen- uh, gen- generally speaking, I've always had that problem and, um, but lately it's, it's been getting better and I know I've been gaining weight. I can see it in the mirror and it's not really that big of a deal to me. Cause like I said, it's always been so low. So I know it's not like an alarmingly high rate. Um, but a few, uh, about, I always say a few a months, a few months ago now, uh, we took our t- dog Teddy to the vet. He's perfectly fine, but they had to weigh him there. And when we got Teddy from the rescue, he was like 11 pounds and, uh, he's this little Maltese, uh, little old man Maltese, 11 years old. And, uh, and he's 11 pounds. And so we took him back this time and he gained like, he's gained like three pounds and he's a consistent, like 14, you know, going on 15 pounds. And I've been making fun of him a little bit because he's got this little belly that you can see now. And he's, you know, he's, he's definitely bigger. He came with some, uh, he came with the rescue with some sweaters that no longer fit him now. So we kind of make fun of him and, you know, tell him he needs to go on more walks, things like that. 
Uh, but he's he's perfectly healthy. It's just it's funny. Anyway, so a few weeks later, then I had to go to the doctor because I had this headache. I didn't know what was going on, and it was kind of weird me out. And I, they weighed me there, and I hadn't been weighed in quite a while. And so I used to struggle like to get. I, I struggled to keep one twenty. I would usually settle around one twenty three, and I was at like one sixty five. <laughs> And I was Good like, man. Oh, it's like, I'm not going to make fun. Of, I'm not going to make fun of Teddy anymore. <laughs> He's probably there looking at me saying, right. I just, you know, saying, you need to go on more walks. He's probably looking at me like, yeah, you too fatty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Why don't you take <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, well, you know, it, when you get happy, you know, fat and happy. Oh yeah. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. But, it, it, and I, I and mean, Adam, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a normal like weight. Like I'm back to a normal you know, I mean, I, I want to watch it, but yeah. And Adam, as long as I've known you all your life, um, as you've grown into an adult, you've kind of reminded me of a British, uh, you know, regular recruit circa 1918. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad that you have topped uh, 165. Hmm. However, I'd also like to say, man, I haven't seen 165 since I was like a freshman in high school. So... <laughs> Yeah, that'd be nice to see. Yeah, that'd be nice to see that again. Uh, the war is over, and I've I've come home to, to to uh, to to eat away. Um, so so, anyways, that was a funny story. Actually, the way that I really wanted to introduce this podcast, real quick though, is just a little bit of fun, a little bit about us. And I'll start with you guys. Um, but you know, of course, we we do this podcast thing, but we are. I would say at this point, podcast aficionados. We've delved into the world. There's we know what we like, what we don't like from from this world of podcasts. And so, for anybody listening who might have interests other than football, when you are not listening to analysis of your own team or or anything like that, of course you can include this in this list. But what are the other podcasts that you enjoy? What are some of the other genres that you go into? And you can even you can even name them. I don't care. We can plug anybody on this show we want. It's you know. I, I, we're not getting paid by anybody. So, um, so I'll start with Jordan. Um, Jordan, what, what podcast do you delve into when you're not listening to, uh, anything Newcastle related? Um, well, first of all, I don't listen to anything Newcastle related. Uh, because I can hardly understand them with the Jordy <laughs> accent. You gotta get um, used to it. You gotta, you gotta assimilate. <laughs> uh, no, I'll assimilate when I move over there. Eventually. Okay. If only. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if the listeners don't know, I spend a lot of time on the road. Uh, I'm clearly the most blue collar out of the three uh, uh, podcast hosts. Um. So I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. Uh. Love uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. That's good. Uh, I can listen to that man talk about uh, World War One uh, for like 14 hours, and it was incredible. Uh, I also listened to um, Last Podcast on the Left. Uh, it is a, uh, a true crime podcast hosted by three comedians who uh, each week delve into a different topic of the strange and paranormal. Uh, and they do tend to roast serial killers pretty uh, pretty brutally. It's pretty funny. Seems like um, low hanging fruit, but okay. Uh, it, it's funny. It's funny. Um, 
I also listen to uh, Chapo Trap House. Oh, dear. Uh, True and On. And the podcast that rhymes with Bumtown. Um, what is that one? Oh, uh, so it's, it's Cumtown. It's three comedians. Oh, They're dear. based out of, like, New York and Baltimore. And it's you definitely... I did. It's definitely something you would not want to listen to if you're not a bit deranged and or around normal company. All right. I just give me a minute. I'm just uh, pressing the button so that everybody knows this episode is uh, explicit content. Caleb, um, what podcasts do you listen to when you're not listening to anything Fulham related or uh, English League Championship related? Because, of course, you are our English Football League Championship correspondent but other than that what, what do you like to delve into yeah absolutely um i also am a huge hardcore history fan so double yeah. plug for dan carlin appreciate the checks he's sending us um <laughs> a couple other podcasts i listen to one is the history extra podcast um so i'm a history fan yeah. uh which is put on by the folks behind the bbc history magazine mm. um so they produce a lot i mean almost every day they're producing something and most of the time they interview authors um, historians about the work that they've done. And so I've gotten uh, a lot of book recommendations out of it. And it's just, um, it, it's really a quality show. Um, Coffee with Creamer, which is a podcast by Dr. Barry Creamer, who's the president of Creswell Bible College in Dallas, um, who is obviously a Christian pastor and theologian, but he also has a doctorate in humanities. And he talks about a lot of the uh, uh, cultural things that are going on, um, different perspectives or, or different ways to look at the world, obviously from a Christian perspective. So that's um, really top notch. And then, you know, uh, I do listen to Fulham podcasts. Um, and the one that I listen to the most is the Fulhamish podcast, um, which is from The Athletic. They do a fantastic oh, job. It's well-run podcast. Um, so for all of my Cottager fans out there, if you're not listening to it, you should. I think The Athletic, they do a good job with a lot of the teams that they cover. Um over across the pond, but I, sometimes I feel like it's hit and miss. Like the West Ham guy, he, he like he some of the stuff that he does that I've seen is very very good, but some of the other stuff, uh, I don't know. It's just it seems kind of kind of basic and you know it's just sort yeah, of not it is, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's sort of interesting. I feel like it does a good job in with uh, English oh, football. Sure Peter thing. Rutzler is the is the guy who does is the uh, is the Fulham um, reporter. He's fantastic, but. It is kind of funny because you do see some stuff that's top notch, and then I'll go and read another another suggested article. And as a newspaper editor, I'm a little, I'm a little. This could have taken. This could have used another. <laughs> this could have used a hard read. I would have made this thing bleed. So yeah. I understand where you're coming from. So I'll complete this uh, this Dan Carlin kumbaya circle and say that I too listen to uh, hardcore history, although I find it kind of hard now. I used to drive a lot more. And so that was pretty easy. And those episodes are really, really long. But his series, uh, Supernova of the East, I really want to get through because it's just a really interesting uh, look at Japan and, and sort of the events leading up to and during World War II, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, I, yeah. I finished that one and I realized that it was like, it was basically when I wrapped it up, it was like 24 hours of listening to Dan Carlin talk over the span <laughs> of like three years. I was like, I just had, I just endured, I just experienced something. Uh, yeah, it was quite, it was, I mean, I went on a journey, so it's worth it. Sort of our generations, the, the equality of our generation of reading War and Peace all the way through. Um, 
but uh so so I, I do like that one. I will listen to uh some other history podcasts. Um Wondery does a couple of good ones, uh, American Scandal, which is very good. They have they have some really good um really good seasons there. And then uh, American History Tellers, which is kind of like a you know, they're, they're meant to sort of take you there into the moments and, and, and all that stuff. So um, that's very good. And I'll listen to, you know, BBC 606, uh, the phone the phone in, which is always fun, and then uh, BBC Football Daily. Um, and then I'm trying to think. There's a uh... – oh, and um, it's, it's just called The British History Podcast. And it's, I mean, it's like cut up into into some some bits, so the episodes aren't near as long. But it is like hardcore history level detail of British history from like prehistory through the Romans and all the way up. And you know, and I, I mean, I've been listening to, I think the equivalent of at least I think two years worth of shows. And he does one. It's not like monthly, but it's like. You know, I mean, at this point, it's it's you know when he can get around to it. it. Used to be weekly, but I still haven't gotten to Alfred. So that's yeah, that's how detailed it is. So 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 yeah. So what I'm hearing is we're history nerds, um, and Jordan likes true crime, which is it's a pretty good mix. I think so. All right. So that's a little bit about us. Um, now a little bit more. Adam. Yes. I was also I was also gonna say I am definitely more deviant than either one of you two. Uh, you know, he's talking about you know listening to a, a prominent theologian from a Bible college, and I'm listening to a podcast called Gumtown. Yeah, you didn't you didn't need to mention the the title again. Um, uh, so <laughs> I'm not gonna not gonna make that joke. Uh, we'll just dive straight into it. Newcastle 2, <laughs> Tottenham 3. Um, this, of course, was uh, the first game under the new Newcastle ownership, and it was a party atmosphere at St. James's Park. And it actually all started out very, very well for the new ownership as Callum Wilson's thumping header from a Javier Manquillo cross in the second minute of the game got the party atmosphere going on Tyneside. And suddenly... A revelation for Newcastle fans. Money does make things better. It makes everything better. They entered this dreamlike state where the sun was shining, birds were singing, bladen races, and they could frolic in the blossoming fields of springtime that had popped up all over St. James's Park. And then Newcastle fans looked over and realized in their horror, Steve Bruce is still on the touchline. Tangi and Dombele equalized in the 17th minute for Spurs from a well-placed shot outside the box, and five minutes later, Harry Kane awoke from his Premier League slumber to convert Pierre-Emil Hojberg's long ball with a looping shot up and over Carl, Carl Darlow. Kane later assisted on an easy tap-in by Youngman's son, and uh, there was a bizarre sort of Eric Dyer own goal that led to Newcastle getting a slight glimmer of hope there at the end, but uh, ultimately proved to be just a consolation. Um, so... As you alluded to a little bit earlier, Jordan, new ownership, same results. Um, and I'm just wondering, how does this Newcastle side 
avoid getting relegated. Where where you know they're they're one of only three teams right now still without defeat. I think that's a genuine. That's starting to become a little bit of a genuine fear. I, all the talk in the previous week leading up to this game had been about the new ownership group and it's a new Newcastle and and it's it's new times and we're great. And then suddenly they were like, oh yeah, they still have the same players and they're still winless. Oh crap. So I mean, what happens from here? Where do we go from here? I mean, what what do you see as a Newcastle fan under this new ownership? I mean, what what should we expect over these next few months? You know, I can make a joke about uh, Steve Bruce's head on a pike, but I'm not going to go there. Okay. Um, I thought you said you. I thought you were going to make another joke about Cumbtown, but anyways. No, 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 no. no. That's, we're, we're past that. We're <laughs> what was clear and evident to the new owners is that yes, Newcastle United can play pretty decent attack. Goal. You saw uh, Alan St. Maxim sit at the top uh, top right corner of the box. And, you know, he actually thought about, you know, taking on that defender. But when he saw Minkio on the overlap, you know, in an attacking position, he just slid the ball to him and then, you know, across Callum Wilson using his great, uh, you know, vision for goal just to kind of dummy the defender um, and then, you know, get, get in front of him and put that ball in. Yeah, the goal. Uh, the goal was minute, second minute. The goal was great. It was a fantastic goal. You know, the goal was great. Um, it involves getting Steve Bruce out of the management position. He's ironically become more defiant and more, uh, you know, mean spirited to the media in the past month or so. Um, you know, lashing out in post match post match press conferences. Um, it involves getting him out of the club. It's clear that under a different manager, these players could do the job and put in the right positions, um, which they're, I mean, they're not. And, they're, and, they're def- and their defensive shape right now is horrible, too. On that Ndombele goal, you saw he just had that, you know, he just had that much space between the lines before the, the I believe it was Kieran Clark could step up. And he just was able to just to curl the shot into the, uh, into the goal. Um, there will be there will be some needed signings in January, but the primary objective as of right now is to get Steve Bruce out of the club. It's under anarchy. And I just read reports today that there was another dust up in training between Jamal LaSalle's and Isaac Hayden, which this is Isaac. Uh, this is Jamal LaSalle's third fight, uh, you know, with different players while captain. Interesting. Yeah. Um, also, some rumors coming out that uh, the potential replacement for Steve Bruce, should he be sacked anytime soon, um, is former Bournemouth manager Eddie Howe, which I don't think Newcastle fans would necessarily like that, given the other names that have been floated around as to who could come in. Um, uh, I don't, Caleb. I don't know if you if you saw any of this game. I mean, it was it was certainly a good a good result for Tottenham. I mean, let's not discount that they did quite well. And Harry Kane getting on the score sheet um, once again. Um, I mean, it just, it felt like a pretty efficient performance from Tottenham. I think that's a good word. Yeah. I mean, I would just say as like an independent or neutral kind of third party observer, um, 
I mean, it's nice when Harry Kane scores, um, I think, for English football. I mean, I think that's a fundamentally good thing. So it's nice to see him scoring again. And I think Tottenham should have lost just based on their kit, which was awful. <laughs> but um, that aside, um, yeah, they played really well and they were clinical in some in some portions of the match. And um, their I think their third goal in particular was really impressive. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they were looking strong and um, it's an impressive victory for them. Um, at a time when they really needed to step up and score uh, some goals and get a win, they were able to pull it off, and they did it in pretty convincing fashion. So um, it's good for them. Obviously disappointing um, for uh, for Newcastle. Um, I did I did come up with the best joke though uh, during our our mid our mid match banter, which was Newcastle. It seems like the same old castle to me. <laughs> And nobody laughed, so I appreciate oh, the I courtesy thought it was laugh. I laughed on the inside. Yeah, no. There you go. The but yeah. Uh, yeah. I will also say the, the odd thing about the match is Tottenham looked really good in the first half. The second half, they were a bit sluggish. I think that odd long break, um, yeah. the medical emergency, caused, you know, really kind of – Tottenham Tom was playing really well, and then there was that break, and then they played pretty well again, and then there was halftime, and then um, I think they were a bit sluggish in the second half, and the own goal looked was was not was poor form, but overall a good win for them. Yeah, yeah, very good. And obviously, Harry Kane. Anytime you can get Harry Kane going, it's good good for Tottenham. Um, that break, by the way, it was it's kind of scary. I was watching this, and then I turned away, I turned back, and all the players were on the side of the pitch. Um, yeah, there was a fan who I, I think they called it some sort of. I, I I don't know if this is even correct, but a cardiac event. They had heart trouble. Um, and yeah, the, yeah. The fan the fan hasn't right. been they haven't been named, but it stopped. I think it was about seven minutes or so left in the in the first half, and they had to stop. Um, a the defibrillator had to be brought out. I think it was Sergio Reguilón who first alerted uh, the referee as fans were. Newcastle fans were telling players, "Hey, we've got some problems up here. We need, you know, some some tell the referee to stop the game so we can get some medical assistance up here." So, uh, and then Eric Dyer was over there, basically saying, "Hey, we need, you know, we need the defibrillator." And the doctor rushes across. Good news: that fan is now recovering in hospital, and and then um, that's just down to some really fast acting healthcare professionals who were there and the intervention by the players. And uh, it was brought up in the NBC broadcast that you know so soon after we had that scare with Christian Eriksen during the Euros, um, you know, that, you know, there were some players who probably were, were had that in mind and were pretty aware um, and, you know, were, were certainly fast acting and getting some help. And fortunately, somebody uh, is alive uh, thanks to all that help and thanks to that work. So, so good news there. Um, uh, Jordan, one, I have one more question. So, I mean, with the news, with the news about Eddie Howe, and the other the other names that are being floated around out there, who would you most want to take over as Newcastle manager right now, realistically speaking? Like who who do you think is a realistic, you know, we could see them come in tomorrow kind of person? Um, I always enjoyed it. Yeah, it'd be anyhow. I've always enjoyed the way he played with Bournemouth, even though they went really? down. Um, he, um, yeah, no. Okay. Uh, I think I think a new voice in the dressing room would would really solve some defensive issues, um, and you know Bournemouth did not have the most you know stable um, 
you know, defensive, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, defensive strategy at sometimes, but they did score plenty of goals. And I'll be honest with you, the team, the other teams at the bottom of uh, at the bottom of the table, they'll, they'll give up goals. Leeds will give up goals. Southampton, you know, you know what? Southampton will not give up goals. They are incredibly, you know, w- uh, well coached defensively. Burnley will give up goals. Norwich will give up goals. Um, Watford will give up goals. There are goals to be had. We just need a more attack-oriented, you know, mindset to turn, you know, draws into wins. Interesting. I, I'm surprised to hear that you were so open to, to Eddie Howe. I because I I could see that appointment, but I don't know how long term of an appointment that would be. Like I, I don't know if that's the guy who you could say come in here and we'll implement a five-year plan. Maybe it is. Maybe having the resources at Newcastle that he maybe didn't quite have at Bournemouth might be, you know, that might be good. Because, I mean, like he kept Bournemouth up in the Premier League for quite a while. I mean, they impressed, um, you know, for several seasons. And then there was, I think there were times where it was like, oh, is, is Eddie Howe the next England manager? Or is Eddie Howe, um, you know, the next Arsenal manager? Or, you know, here's this young, good English manager who we can see going to some of these bigger clubs uh, in England at some point, and that didn't happen. But I, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe Newcastle's the place uh, the place to go. Um, any other notes on, on that one before we, we jump into, uh, to, uh, I think, the second most talked about game of the weekend? But any, anything else on Tottenham-Newcastle? with Caleb that Tottenham should have forfeited uh, because of those kids. <laughs> Watching that game live, like I I had no idea what I was looking at because it looked like they were wearing a just a like a like a, a, a lilac purple kit. I'm like, okay. But then I see like these yellow flowers in like one quarter panel. And I just had no idea what was going on with that with, with that kid. It was, I'll be, I'll be frank, it is worse than some recent Man City kids. Ouch. Um, actually, the city the city away kit this year is actually impressively good. Uh, the white one. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of like it's it's sort of I they they're trying to do like this. I don't know if you'd call it checkered pattern, but you know the 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 top left is like a a purple kind of thing and and then the, that sort of continues into the bottom and then on the ends it just looks like the best way I can describe this is it just looks like paper mache it's like a bunch of old newspaper that's been cobbled together into a kit so yeah i this is not my favorite although i i like it more than the other one which looks like somebody's one of the players kids just like had at it with their this with some of the some paints and just threw it onto a canvas and they decided to call it a kit. That one doesn't look very good either. So, so not not great pickings in the Tottenham club shop. We'll, we'll need to do a uh, like a, a a kit rating for for Christmas time. It's like who's who's got the who's got yes. who's got the best do it. yes who's got the best away kit for 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 uh, Christmas purposes. Um, moving on to. The next result of the weekend, like I said, I think this is probably the second most talked about result from the weekend. 
Um, just because it was, I think it was a little bit surprising. Leicester City four, Manchester United two. Two stunning first half goals from Mason Greenwood and Yuri Tillemans set up a classic at the King Power. So they went into the second half one one. Um, uh, I, I have no idea how to pronounce his first name. Soyuncu, the Turkish defender uh, for Leicester, uh, he put them ahead in the seventy eighth minute. But then Marcus Rashford. His return from shoulder injury, from shoulder surgery. This is his first game back. He converted a great United move to level the matchup once again at two-two. Just a minute later, Leicester were ahead again thanks to no prizes for guessing this one. Jamie Vardy uh, and a stoppage time goal from Pat Sindaka. Good for him. Sealed uh, the win for the Foxes. Um, this is two wins in all competitions in the last seven games for Manchester United, their last league win came back on September the 19th against West Ham. And then they lost to us in the league cup. So uh, coming up, they have Atlanta in the champions league. Then they play Liverpool next weekend. They play Spurs the next weekend. Then they play Atlanta again in the champions league. And then they have Manchester city in the Derby before the next international break. So it is a very, very crucial time for United in their schedule. Um, in fact, I, I don't know that they necessarily have a clean run of games until December. That might be West Ham. But anyways, but it they've got some tough opponents coming up. And we're starting to hear talk again about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's position at United. You know, they've signed Ronaldo in the offseason. He didn't do a whole lot in this game. Um you know, there's the whole Van de Beek situation and, and why he exists in this team. Um, is it too early to talk about his position? Is it is it too soon to, to say this is a United team that's full of stars, but the manager is not one of them? That he's not, you know, he's he's star-studded players, not a star-studded manager. Or, you know, are there problems elsewhere in United? I mean... Yeah. I, I just I, I don't I know. Think he, I, I think you got to start with him. Um, yeah, I was talking with a, another American Manchester United fan who complained of Old Gunner's uh, lack of tactical ability, and the way he presented it was just that you know you've got these players, and you kind of you know you just hope that the quality is going to lead to wins, but obviously it takes a lot more than that to be successful, and and you know I think that there was a you know obviously he played in role in stabilizing United to a certain extent, but I think that you're now at the point where, you know, this is a team that deserves probably a better tactician. I mean, the defeat, you know, United had, a, uh, I think it was a league record 29 game unbeaten run away from home. So it's not like, it's not actually been terrible recently, but right. as you pointed out, this is a really key stretch. And if they underperform over the next four or five matches, I would be pretty pretty shocked if um if he survives uh november um so yeah i mean i think with especially with the quality that you have um you can't be losing four two to lester even though i will say i've been bullish on lester all year and uh perhaps now they're on the way to finding their good form <laughs> that is true it was a good performance from lester let's not you know get lost on that um and i i excited by pats and daca getting that goal i do think that'll be helpful to him but that's a really good point i mean I have, I've, up until recently, I, I think my only my biggest criticism about Ole was that he didn't make very good tactical substitutions, or just good substitutions at all. 
And I think there have been some games where it seemed like, oh, okay, he's, he's kind of figuring that out. He's he's getting there. But I watched this on Saturday, and I just didn't see a game plan for Manchester United. I didn't see, you know, a tactical idea. I just saw, you know, let's get the ball up top to whomever, and they'll make it work. And that's just not going to be good enough, especially when you're coming up against a very good Leicester City team. I mean... Like you said, Caleb, they haven't been having the best form this season, but they've they've done well, and they've still been threatening, and it seems like they don't have a problem scoring goals. They just have a problem defending. Um, but there was just – there was no plan. I didn't I didn't see a game plan. You know, even when, when Leicester kind of started to come back and when they went down. And another thing that's kind of alarming to me is, you know, people talk, and, you, and Ola will talk a lot about, the United Way, and this is something, of course, that came out of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's time, um, and maybe even before then uh, under Sir Matt Busby. But it was, I think, a lot of that was you don't stop until it's over. You know, this was a a this was a team that was known for going full speed right until the end, and that's how they ended up getting some of these classic late results and some of these very well known late goals. They were just known for being you know, these sort of cardiac kids. And we saw them go out against Aston Villa and struggle, and they gave up a late goal. We saw them go out against Everton, and they struggled to get the goal. And then they give up a silly counterattacking goal and and can't do the business there. And then here, we, we see them take the lead twice and give it up and not be able to find that last gear toward the end of the match to get anything out of it. And that that to me is more concerning if you're a United fan than than before because you know that's a characteristic that Ola should know about that he should be preaching and if if they're losing these games late like this it seems to me that that indicates there might be something wrong. I don't know if you have any any thoughts on that, Jordan? Um, it was just ironic to see the manager who's accused of not having a plan B beat the manager who's accused of not having a plan at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think there is a problem. Um, Ole is managing Manchester United like a 16-year-old behind the wheel of a Lamborghini. He's grinding the gears. Nothing is really flowing, you know, from one end to the other, um, with the uh, with the fact that you know it took you know Mason Greenwood to score a howler, uh, you know get on the board, uh, and then you know Lester comes right back with you know honestly I thought the Yuri Tillman's goal was way more impressive just because of how he hit it, um, because you know Mason Greenwood was you know running you know opening up his body, running towards, you know, the uh, the center of the box and put that shot in. Yuri Tillman's uh, was almost fr- like from a dead stop. He just kind of side-footed it and put it up and over. And I thought that was incredible. Um, it was also funny um, and kind of concerning for if you're a Manchester United fan to see just the lack of top-end performance from Harry Maguire. Um, 
which I believe, I think you could hear this on the TV broadcast. They were singing, uh, F you, Harry Maguire, we don't need you. We have Soyun Chu. Yeah, I think maybe, because I heard earlier in the broadcast, United fans singing uh, their favorite Harry Maguire chant, which is, he he effed off Leicester for Manchester and his head zapping massive, which I think is a really really funny chant. But yeah, the Leicester fans definitely made their feelings known. They 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 see not the top quality from Harry Maguire, and he did just come back from injury. I think that maybe that that's possibly part of it, but um, certainly he's he's been struggling, and I think uh, maybe it's because of injury. He seems to be struggling this season, uh, just in general. Um, so, yeah, another not great result for Manchester United, and the bad news is they have Liverpool coming up this weekend, and we'll talk about them in a minute. They're they're flying high, uh, but I want to go to another one where just there were a ton of goals in this one. Um, there were a lot of goals this weekend in general. Aston Villa two, <clears throat> Wolverhampton three. So a West Midlands derby ends in true West Midlands derby fashion, with Wolverhampton coming back from two goals down to beat their heated rivals. It was a scoreless first half. Villa went ahead thanks to goals from Danny Ings and John McGinn. And John McGinn actually assisted on that first goal, so he had a very, very, very good afternoon. But the Wolves uh, never said die. They fought back in the 80th minute through Romain Saiz and then Connor Cody, a goal from the captain. That was two goals in five minutes to tie things up. That was already bad enough for the home side. Aston Villa manager Dean Smith, very, very angry. And he would get angrier in the fifth minute of stoppage time when Ruben Neves' free kick sailed past Ibi Martinez and the away fans went absolutely mental. That win takes Wolves into the top half of the table. Um, we've talked before about you know Bruno Laja coming in. He's Portuguese. Nuno was Portuguese. This is a, a very heavily influenced Portuguese team. And how far he can take them and how he compares to the past and... You know, can he keep this success going? And I'm, I'm starting to see the gears turn on Wolves. I'm starting to see some really, really good play. They didn't look great in the first half, um, has to be said. But, I mean, just absolute fantastic spirit. And now I'm just thinking, how far can they go? I mean, they're they're looking good at a time when, you know, some other teams are kind of falling off. And they're playing some pretty good catch-up. And I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from this Wolverhampton team. I would, as far as Wolves go, I would say that, you know, obviously, I think the Villa win was impressive. And obviously, you have the heart and the grit to come back like that and win. Um, you know, Wolves, I think they've created chances all year. They've been a very effective squad at at, um, at kind of dominating two-thirds of the pitch. But the final third, they've lacked some technical ability. Um, they've struggled to convert some of those chances. So, Nice to see them do that against uh, what I think is a, a, a Aston Villa side that's better than their current um, place in the table. I would add too that I think Wolverhampton—they're kind of solidly middle of the pack. I mean, they've lost—they lost early to better teams like Leicester and Man U and Tottenham, and they beat up on some of the weaker teams like, sorry, Jordan, Newcastle and Watford <laughs> and, and Southampton. So. Um, I mean, the Villa win, I, if they continue to, to defeat the teams that are kind of around them on the, you know, in the table or a bit below them and continue to lose to teams above them, I mean, I, I think that 
that would not surprise me. They're, they're a team that obviously has some grit and they are talented, um, but I think they lack some overall quality to, you know, to say challenge for a top six spot or something like that. Yeah, they've got uh, – um, I was just looking at the results here. they got Leeds coming up this weekend, um, Everton next, and then Crystal Palace. And then they have West Ham after the break. And, I mean, if they handle those those three games, I mean, that West Ham match could be a very, very important one considering the table. Uh, Jordan, I heard you you were kind of ch- chiming in there. Any Anything on Wolves? Um, I was watching that match live. Yeah. And I was thinking back to our top shelf picks with both both of y'all picking oh, yeah. Aston Villa to win uh, the West Midlands Derby, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, did I pick? I thought I thought I picked him to draw. So you know, they score the the second goal in the 87th minute. Connor Cody, the captain, putting a ball in, you know, off a corner. Um, I'm like, I jump off the couch like, yes, I got a point. Stop the count. To, you know, I had to text Adam for a second in the group and like, Hey, did I, did I have them drawing? I was like, I was like, Oh, as I texted, I was like, Oh crap. I remembered I had them winning. So then wouldn't you know, Ruben Neves, my Portuguese hero in the 95th minute with a beautiful free kick, which actually was scored on the deflection, but it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) You know, I think he's 24 now. And, you know, from his days in Porto, you, you, you kind of thought he would have a, maybe a brighter future um, than where he's currently at. But I will be honest, during his time with, with Wolverhampton, he's really turned into a serviceable, you know, Premier League midfielder. And, you know, if we're doing some summer shopping, he definitely has a place in definitely place definitely has a place in the Newcastle squad just with the way he picks out long balls and free kicks. Every match for Jordan now is just a scouting expedition. That's all it is. He's like, who who can we poach from this team? Who can we get from? No, I think you're right. I think he, you know, coming out of Porto, maybe he would have thought, you know, he's he would be perhaps at, at a no offense to Wolves, but a larger club. Um, but he is at the the Portuguese enclave of the UK that is Wolverhampton. So, um, 185 appearances, 21 goals during that time for Wolverhampton. Of course, he's not necessarily a goal scorer; he's more of a holding midfielder type. But a very good performance from Mister Ruben Neves. Um, I think for Villa, this is more of just a well shoot. You know, I mean, like I said, Dean Smith did not look happy. He won't be happy about that result. But I, I it's not a you know, it's not an alarming, oh, what happened kind of win. Although, I will say, I, Matty Cash had been looking good. It, I don't know that he looked particularly impressive in this game. I'm not just, I'm not sure if that's how how Wolves played or, or not. But he, I thought he could have done a little bit more. John McGinn looked fantastic. I, I thought he should have been picked up by someone like Manchester United back a few years ago, just because I think he's just such a hard worker and and does so much in that midfield. Um, and, and is so skilled, he took his goal very well. So, so uh, unfortunate for Villa, but like I said, a fantastic win for Wolverhampton. Uh, back down to London now. A West London derby for you. Brentford nil. Chelsea won. Chelsea just squeeze out a win 
at the Britford Community Stadium thanks to a 45th-minute wonder strike from English left-back Ben Chilwell. Uh, despite 17 shots, seven of which were on target, Brentford unable to find a response. And I was looking at the statistics for this, and I don't know that it's necessarily weird that Brentford had 17 shots and seven were on target. What was strange, though, is Chelsea had a single goal on target, and that was the one that ended up winning it for them. I mean, is this... I mean, how do you how do we characterize this, Caleb? I think you you watched this game. How do we characterize this? Was this more of a Chelsea, you know, battling it out to a nice solid win against a West London opponent, or is it or is it more of a wow? They got super lucky there. They got super lucky. Um, this one of one of two West London derbies on the day, the less important one, obviously. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean. Th- Chelsea's lucky this was not a 2-1 loss. I mean, the Bees looked like they could have scored five or six different times. Um, the Chelsea keeper was top-notch. He really kept a minute. I think from a Chelsea perspective, you have to be concerned about two things. One is you're not really getting any production from your forwards, whether it's Mason Mount or Havertz. Obviously, Pulisic is is injured. Um, Romelu Lukaku has cooled off. So, you're, you, you know, you have plenty of, of – um, you have plenty of folks uh, – uh, at top, uh, there's a German guy who can't hit the broadside of a barn. Team What's his name? Team uh, yeah, Team Overner. Yeah, poor guy. Feel bad for him. But anyway, so anyway, you've got that's five players right there who should be scoring for you. And they keep getting goals by defenders. I mean, Ben Chilwell, of all folks, who, um, you know, finally found his way out of the pitch, which good for him. Yeah. Um, so I think the fact you're not getting production from your uh, forwards um, and then the, the second concern is how listless they appeared in the second half. They were so passive. And, you know, let's, Brentford is, an, is a Premier League team, as much as it pains me to say. They're clearly capable of building and sustaining pressure. They're, we've talked, you know, about many of their players, including um, uh, future Man City striker Ivan Tony. But I think that um, they're not <laughs> – Brentford's not that good. Compared, I mean, Chelsea is probably talent-wise the best or second-best team in the Premier League right up there with Liverpool. And so the fact that they were just hammered by Brentford in the second half and didn't really do anything about it, if I were a Chelsea fan, I'm not a hate him. Um, I I would be very concerned about that. I saw this and and I saw the stats and yeah that that was one of the thoughts I had. But the other thought I had was, you know, good teams win when they're playing well. Great teams win when they're not. And so you know, from a Chelsea perspective, you could also look at it and say, yeah, we didn't play great, but we still did get the three points. Not like they eked out a draw. They got. They got them all, and they're top of the table. And so, but I, Caleb makes a really good point, Jordan, in that they've got these scoring outlets, you know, and Romelu Lukaku came in in the first few games just set the world on fire. And he's been super quiet. And I don't know if that's concerning for Chelsea. I don't know if it's just one of those things where you have to bide your time and he's got to get, you know, involved with, with the team. I mean, obviously, we have to remember one of the first teams he played was Arsenal, so it's not like he came up against anybody difficult. But, you know... um, I don't know. It just it it looks weird to me. And there was another Thomas Torchell lineup that looked kind of strange, where he had those three holding midfielders. Although he did take my advice from last time and put in Ruben Loftus Cheek, which who I thought was going to make a pretty big difference. Um, but it's just it it feels weird. I mean, are we? Is there anything that we should be concerned about here? I mean, is this just a case of a great team winning even though they're not playing well? Um, 
You know, you are right. Uh, great teams win when they're not playing well. Uh, that was evidenced by what happened Sunday night uh, up in Foxboro when the Cowboys beat the Patriots. Because, you know, how many times over 20 years has that game been flipped around and, the, you know, the Patriots kind of, you know, goof off for four, you know, three and a half quarters and they, you know, pull it out in the end. Um, what is what is kind of concerning is that in, in the best version of Thomas Teutschel's system, it's really kind of the, the wingbacks and Reese James and, like, and Ben Chilwell who really are the dynamic players in the system, you know, getting up the pitch, um, you know, spreading, spreading, you know, spreading the width, um, you know, you know, spreading the pitch, being wide and getting up high. But when, you know, when they don't have, you know, Reese James, um, you know, they, they could use some dynamism in the midfield. And I really don't think they have that going forward, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, it's, you know who Chelsea could use, ironically, in the midfield? Uh, a prime Frank Lampard, you know? Someone who can just make it like a, you know, a timely, you know, you know, late run into the box uh, just to, you know, you know, disrupt things. And with, uh, you know, Kovacic, uh, Jorginho, Conte, and to a lesser extent, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Um, you know, I mean, he does he, he does a job, but it, right. it's not it's not to the same talent level as what you know you know a player like Frank Lampard was. That's what I feel like there is there, uh, Chelsea's missing, and maybe that and they could do well this season. They could win the league, but. Just like how Man City's lacking a true striker, Chelsea's lacking a, dy- a, a truly dynamic box-to-box midfielder. And the reason I, I brought up Loft, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is because I I think out of the midfielders they have available right now, he is the most likely to, I think, say, yeah, I'll take the ball forward, or yeah, I'll make this run. I mean, he just seems like that type of player who's not necessarily afraid to, you know, to get up there. I mean, Angolo Conte, I don't think looks very comfortable running with the ball toward the box when he's outside. Jorginho, I don't think looks very comfortable doing that. Kovacic, I would have hoped did. I think Chelsea would have hoped did, but I, he doesn't seem to be that great at it, at it either. So yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's very strange when they play this, this sort of lineup with Lukaku and Werner up top and you don't have a Kai Havertz. Um, you don't have a Pulisic. You don't have, Somebody who can, you know, Callum Hudson Odoi is on the pitch. Is on the bench. I mean, you're going to tell me you, you couldn't put him in and have him play behind the strikers or, or or you know behind a Lukaku or come out wide with the ball and make a difference. I mean, their Champions League opponent this this midweek I think is Malmo. Like you know, play the play your secondary guys there. Um, you know, and and. Let's let's put out the 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 full, you know, the full squad for a very difficult away match against a Brentford team that, like you said, Caleb is not necessarily you know the best, but they're still going to give you trouble. So, um, but hey, you know, Chelsea top of the table. Um, like I said, just eat, eat this win out. Anything else on this one? You know, I was going to say, 
looking back, you know, over the summer transfer window, would you almost say that Chelsea and Man City would like would would want to do like a Freaky Friday kind of thing and you know switch transfers? <laughs> because I, I see Jack Grealish, you know, fitting a lot better in what you know and uh, fixing the problems that Chelsea has right now. And same thing for Lukaku with you know Man City. Yeah, and I mean maybe maybe it was the international break, but why not start start Kai Havertz in this one? Like, why do you have to have him on the bench? And when you bring him in, why bring him in for Lukaku? Like, it just it, it didn't. Some of the decisions didn't make a whole lot of sense, but they but they still did win. But that is an interesting point. I mean, I think Lukaku definitely would have been. I th- I think he would have done a lot better in in Pep's system. I, I I think he would have been scoring a lot of goals. You talk about the service that he gets and just the type of play that he is. So. That would have been very, very interesting. It would be a, let's that's that's an interesting FIFA experiment. I think let's we we should go and try that. Um, and finally, the the one that I just kind of wanted to, to dive into a little bit. Uh, we don't have to talk too much about this. We have some other matches, but um, you know, I'm I've I've got the equipment, so we're going to talk about it. Everton nil, West Ham won. Um, this this is a fantastic win for West Ham. Uh, it's a fantastic win for us. Angelo Agbana plays the game of his life at Goodison Park. He's capped off with a deflected header in the 74th minute. Uh, and the win takes West Ham up uh, to 7th, even on points with Everton. And Manchester United, everybody's on 14 there. Um, there was an interesting one, there's an interesting note for, for this game that led up to the West Ham goal. So there's there's a ball that goes really high in the box. Jordan Pickford is going for it. He's, you know, the Everton goalkeeper says, you know, I'm, I'm going to go get this, sticks his, his T-Rex arms up. And uh, Mikhail Antonio, the the beast of a man, um, jumps up and actually kind of heads it away from him. And on the broadcast, it looks like they, they sort of run into each other. It really wasn't that bad if you look at the alternate angle. There was no... Knee up from Antonio. He didn't like interfere with with uh, Pickford, but Jordan Pickford, Everton, they had a big problem with that. Rafa made it known. He talked to the fourth official, said he had a big problem with that. And interesting, what was interesting to me was the comments by Rafa after the game, when he said basically that his understanding is that that six yard box. So the secondary one, the smaller one, is sort of the goalkeeper's territory, and if you interfere with him getting the ball there, it's a foul, or they, they get protected. But I think someone needs to inform Rafa that that is absolutely 100% not the case. There is nowhere on the pitch you cannot um, at least challenge the goalkeeper, and there's nowhere that the goalkeeper is, in his own words, protected. Does anybody know why the six-yard box exists before I I know? If anybody wants to have a guess. I would just say that uh, it's it's a personal thing, but Jordan Pickford annoys the piss out of me. So <laughs> every, watching somebody run him over kind of makes me happy. But no, I have no idea why it exists. It's it's there, and it exists because it, it's for drop balls and for fouls. So they don't want so – if, so if you get an indirect free kick in the box, which is entirely possible – you know, you, you can take it from there and it's not a penalty, but somebody indirect free kicks, if you remember from, from previous pods, you can't you can't directly score. You have to touch it and then somebody else has to score. Um you know, offsides in a direct free kick, um 
you know, obstruction is an indirect free kick. And so you could technically you can have an indirect free kick in the box and it not be a penalty. And you can actually technically have one inside of that six yard box. But if it happens in that six yard box, you have to take the ball to the nearest point on that six yard line that surrounds the goal. And that's where you have the free kick. So that way you avoid the chance that you could have a drop ball or an indirect free kick or some type of restart, like on the goal line, it has to be brought out to there. Um, You know, it's, it's the area in which the goalkeeper can, can restart on a goal kick. He can put it literally anywhere in the box. Usually they put it, you know, at a, um, you know, at a corner or or on the six yard box, the six yard box line or somewhere around there, just because it's human nature. You want to get as far as you can, but technically he could start it from anywhere he wants inside that box. So that's why it exists. It's, it's to, to say, you know, the ball has to go here so that we don't get any weird situations on the goal line. And we make this a little bit more fair. So, it has nothing to do with protecting the goalkeeper or anything like that. That is not the case. I don't know what Rafa is talking about. Um, uh, it kind of reminded me of the shit he tried to talk about when he was Liverpool manager and some of the stuff that he would say. But I digress. But anyways, so perfectly legal, perfectly fine. No problem there. I don't know what Rafa is talking about. And just a really solid win for West Ham. I was I was very impressed um, by that performance. Uh, anybody else watch this one? Uh, I did, yeah. and I wouldn't say I was impressed uh, because with how much you know West Ham dominated the possession for the most part of the game. I mean, you could clearly tell that Rafa lined up to be defensive. It, I could just tell the difference between a good team, which West Ham is, and a great team, which you know they, they you know you hope as a West Ham fan they'd be, because they just weren't able to break that down. Um, and you know maybe maybe that goes to you know not getting a you know another striker you know back over the summer, but it it looked it, it, I wouldn't say it looked painful. It just looked like the Bonner goal was uh, just the, just the stroke of luck West Ham needed to get the game over the line. I will take With, that. You know the way they done. <laughs> and I'll take and, that all day. And, and, and hey. And hey, I you know as a as a Newcastle fan looking up to West Ham in the table from way way down there, I would take that uh, any uh, you know uh, any day of the week as well. Um, it was just funny. It's always funny to me to see Jordan Pickford <laughs> in in as a goalie, just because he is just so so tiny, and that is just a, that's generally a position of giants. You know, most goalies are, you know, 6'2 to 6'4. Very rarely do you see, you know, someone shorter than six foot, you know, really be a top-class goalkeeper. And it's just funny to, you know, see him get so a little angry and just, It has nothing to do with his Sunderland connections whatsoever. Not at all. Oh, no, it absolutely does. That's my point. Um... So yeah, good win, good win for uh, for West Ham there. Um, getting into some of the also rounds, we'll go through these quickly. Although I do have a question on this first one: Watford nil, Liverpool five. A Roberto Firmino hat trick, but uh, Mo Salah once again st- um, taking the headlines on this one with an absolute classic goal, just running around the Watford defense like they're absolutely nothing, um, showing off some 
moves like Messi, if you will. Um, he also scored today, scored an early goal against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League and uh, scored the winner for Liverpool. Uh, they beat them 3-2. It was a penalty that Mo Salah scored on that one. Um, but this question's been asked a lot, especially after that game and after the goal um, that he scored against Chelsea. No, that he scored against City. Excuse me. The goal that he scored against City and then uh, just his, his play during that one. And... We'll just put on our, our, our let's have fun with this caps right now. No wrong answers. Is Mo Salah the best footballer in the world right now? Would, would Does he fit that category? I think you can definitely make an argument for it. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's probably, I mean, I, I would say technically you could probably look at somebody like maybe um, Robert Lewandowski, who I think has 15 goals and like 10 or 11 appearances right now. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, Premier League versus Bundesliga in terms of quality, uh, you can make that argument. But yeah, I mean, he's up there. I mean, it's hard to think of somebody who has been consistently that good, especially in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, he's playing out of his mind. That's a good shout, Robert Lewandowski. He scored twice against, uh, sorry, Jordan, he scored twice against Bayern Leverkusen this weekend in a 5-1, a surprise 5-1 win uh, for Bayern Munich. Um, five goals scored in the first half. As well, wow, interesting. Uh, Jordan, Mo Salah, best best footballer in the world right now. Do you think is there somebody else who maybe deserves to be ahead of him? Um, you know, I really can't think of anyone that uh, that really just would definitely knock him off that perch. What Mo Salah has proven to me, though, that over this you know this early season. That Messi is not, you know, it's it's not a he's it's not a name, it's not an individual, it's a mantle. Uh, uh, like you know, like Captain America, uh, or like Thor, uh, Mo Salah has picked up that bit of magic that that uh, Messi had, and has uh, claimed it as his own, if you will. It definitely. If you haven't seen uh, that goal that he scored against Watford, I. Go take a look at it. He just—I mean—he makes a bunch of guys look stupid um, before scoring once again. Uh, so, really, computer. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he just—he makes a bunch of guys look stupid on that one. Uh, another result: Manchester City two, Burnley nil. Not necessarily a surprising one. City doing uh, quite well in that one. Um, goalless between Norwich and Brighton. That's a little surprising. I figure Brighton would at least get one against the Canaries, who are rooted to the bottom of the table at the moment. Um, a good good win for Southampton. 1-0 against Leeds. Very well done. Um, they, unsurprisingly, took advantage of a counterattack and, and uh, got their goal against Southampton, uh, uh, got their goal against Leeds. And then on Monday night, uh, I don't know if anybody caught any of this, Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 2. I think it was a late goal from Alexander Lacazette that saved the Gunners. Um... Neither manager happy after that one. Patrick Vieira said he thought that they had enough to win it, and Arteta said he just had a thought that uh, Arsenal lost their concentration. Um, English League Championship update next, but anything else on those on those games that uh, anybody wants to note? Uh, I was actually watching uh, Brighton versus Norwich. That was my uh, dual feed. Um, Brighton should have had a goal if Neil Mope, you know, uh, had historically, you know, gone down the box. 
uh, when he was clearly tackled and brought down, it's just um, he, like, as he's going down, like, stuttered a step and then, like, exaggeratedly, you know, kind of fell forward. And the referee just, like, looked at him and was having none of it. So, not surprisingly, Neil Mope cost uh, cost his team uh, uh, three points. Yeah, but that's, I mean... That's just Neil Mopé. Like he's got to if he doesn't if he doesn't do that, it's not a Neil Mopé performance. That's just the way that he is. Um, like I said, it's kind of surprised that Brighton didn't didn't uh, didn't get a goal out of that one. But I guess another valuable point for Norwich. Um, we'll see. <laughs> uh, um, we'll see if they can actually Adam, win this season. Yeah, go ahead. You know, you know who Neil Mopé. Uh, you know, we talked. To, I talked about you know uh, Messi. Not being not being a person, it's a mantle, and that Mo Salah has picked that up. Um, I, I think there's another player who's carrying a mantle right now in the Premier League too. Uh, it's Neil Mope, and it's the mantle of either Hatem Ben Arfa or Jabril Cisse. Jabril Cisse, that's a good shout. That's man, that's that's taking us back. Oh, I remember him. He so let's he was. He was Liverpool for a while, right? I think. I think just so he was Liverpool for a while. I think he went to Bolton at some point. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making that make, mixing that up. I do. Th- I he he jumped around. He went to so he went to another club. I th- I know he was at Liverpool for a long time, and I think he maybe went to Marseille. You to make me look this up now. But yeah, I mean, you talk about just a guy that was, I mean, he just, he, he had that personality. Like he was just, that's, that's just who he was. So, so yeah, so Alzair, he started with them, scored a lot of goals for them, went to Liverpool, then he went to Marseille. Sunderland, that's the team that I was thinking of. 10 goals and 35 appearances for Sunderland, that's not, not too bad. Um, and he kind of hopped around. He came back to England at least one more time with Panath- or, uh, with the Queen's Park Rangers. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, good shout. Adam. Yeah. If you want to take a stab at where uh, he currently is playing now, uh, you won't believe it. Uh, Jabril Cisse is currently playing his craft at Panthen uh, and Nikos, Chicago, which is a club based out of Chicago, Illinois, in the National Premier Soccer League. That's so weird. Yeah, they were they were founded in July of 2020. Oh God, that's tough. Um, Panathinaikos Chicago. Are they related at all to the Greek club? They have to be, right? No. Um. So it is a father son, okay. uh, a father son duo who are huge Panathinaikos supporters. Um, I feel like that's copyright. <laughs> like, can you do that? Can you just call? Because Panathinaiko—that's a team in in Greece. Yeah, it's a well-known team in Greece. I don't know, but that's that's kind of weird. Wow, you learn something new every day. Panathinaiko, Chicago, and Jibril Cisse is playing. That's almost weirder than Georgia Samaras playing in Oklahoma City, but that's a story for a different time. Um, all right, so that was the Premier League this week. We'll talk about the table in a minute, but first, let's go down to the English League Championship. And a very happy Caleb joining us this week. A fantastic result for your cottagers this weekend, Caleb. 
Yeah. Um, first of all, I don't know who scheduled two West London derbies on the same day, but um, congrats <laughs> to you. I'm sure the Metropolitan Police appreciated that one. Yeah. Uh, Cottagers took care of business for one win over rivals QPR. I will have to share a link to from a Queens Park Rangers message board where um, someone bemoaned their frequent losses to the Lily Whites. Uh, it is um, <laughs> worth every penny of admission. Um, top of the table, uh, Bournemouth still the team to beat. Parker's side is playing really strong defense. It pains me every week to say this, mm. but I mean they're just looking really good. They uh, still undefeated. They actually beat a good Stoke City side one nil today. Yeah. Um, today being Tuesday, so Cherry's looking strong. Sheffield United defeated Stoke. Uh, that's a big win. Um, that's a huge. That's win. A huge win for them. And that you know. The Blades look like they might be a team that uh, could potentially be relegated at the beginning of the season, and they have steadily climbed their way up. So fantastic work from them. Um, West Brom, a fairly straight work, straightforward 1-0 victory over Birmingham. Uh, your table, your top six is Burnmouth, West Brom, Fulham, Coventry, QPR, and Stoke, despite their two consecutive losses. Uh, in the relegation zone, we have Barnsley, Peterborough, and the ever-present Derby. Yeah, and then Sheffield United, unfortunately for them, I think they lost to uh, Millwall today, which is just disappointing because Millwall is not that great. It's the it's the championship, man. I know. It's I, you know it's the one. It's, I think maybe it's because there's more sides, and maybe it's because of just the nature of the finances and the players involved and whatever. But I tell you, I mean the the consistency, the lack of consistency from these sides. I mean, obviously Fulham is is its own beast, but I mean. I saw it was a tweet. He just talked about how it was one of those things where this team beat this team beat this team, and it was amazing because it was like, you know, uh, Fulham dominates uh, uh, Huddersfield, who then goes and like destroys um, Coventry, who then goes and destroys Fulham, and you're just like, <laughs> it, just, it makes it makes no sense. That's what makes it fun. Um, elsewhere in the English football league, just some notes that I saw. Um, it was a Northwest Derby this weekend, Wigan against Bolton. That used to be a Premier League fixture there. Um, the Wigan just handed out a beating. They beat them 4-0 um, it, at Bolton, at what used to be the Reebok. I'm not sure what it's called now. I think it's like the University of Bolton Stadium or something like that. Um, but good, solid win for the Laddicks there. Um, also in League One, uh, Portsmouth got annihilated by Rotherham 4-1. And that's, I mean, Portsmouth are chasing... Promotion. I mean, that's their aim. So that's a that's a pretty shocking result for them. I think they've been struggling this season uh, so far. Um, we mentioned some some teams that were uh, doing well in League Two last week. I want to give another shout out to Sutton United. They got promoted last year. This this is their first season in the Football League, and they are firmly in the promotional playoff fight at the moment after a great one nil one one nil win away at uh, Crawley. So good one, good one there for Sutton United and the. Uh, the team from Southwest London. Um, Jordan mentioned it earlier. I'm very disappointed in Aston Villa. I was this close to getting um, a top shelf pick result correct. I haven't gotten a result correct in top shelf picks yet this year. And as I, I said 2-0 Aston Villa over Wolves. And when they got that second goal, I was just like, yes, this is it. This is the moment. I'm going to get it. Aston Villa are going to come good, and then Ruben Neves decided that was not going to happen. So um, we'll look here at the 
table. It's taking a while to come up. I don't know why. Okay, there we go. Uh, so this is after um, our picks last week. Uh, Caleb, you got a total of two points. You selected correctly that West Ham would win. Good on you. Uh, and then you also selected correctly that Tottenham would beat Newcastle. So uh, you got those points. Nobody got a result correct this or no, nobody got a scoreline correct this weekend. Um, Jordan, you and I both just got one point. So Caleb extends his lead at the top. He's now got 13 points. Uh, Jordan, you're on nine and I'm on eight. We got to We got to start making some moves here, Jordan. It's, it's going to get out of hand if we're not careful. Uh, I think it's time to uh, do some uh, testing uh, because I believe a certain player performing in this uh, in this picks league is uh, <laughs> using illegal methods. I feel like the I feel like the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East right now. <laughs> you, but you coast my way to the playoffs to number one seed. Thank you so much. You know, we've talked a little bit about some you know just learning some more stuff about this. Caleb Caleb does some college game picks with his family and, and, and friends every single year, you're doing pretty well there too, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Uh, top of the, top of the best week. Slash, yeah. Probably my fans doing doing for like 50 years and yeah. I've won it once in the 32 years I've been alive. So <laughs> let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm punching above my current weight class. It, I, trust me, I will settle down to <laughs> the, uh, the bottom of this where I belong soon enough. Well, he's doing well so far. So here, okay. oh, go ahead, Jordan. Yeah. Sorry. Real quick, did did you have to pick the 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 BYU uh, Baylor game last weekend, or as I like yes. to call it, the 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 Soakers versus the Technical Virgins? Oh God! Uh. <laughs> good, good. Oh yes, my I God! Did. Although we did we did not use those terms in the uh, in the family pick'em, but yeah. Jordan, you're trying your hardest to make this a not family friendly pod this week. Not to say that it ever was. But I'm just saying, like, just going for it. Oh, man. Um, okay, so for this weekend, um, it's a Friday night matchup for uh, our first top shelf pick of this week, October the 22nd, Arsenal against Aston Villa. Uh, Jordan, you are first up for picks. What do you think is going to happen between the Gunners and the Villains? It's going to be 2-1 Arsenal. Oh, that was my pick. I'll have to consider this now. Um, Caleb, you like an Arsenal, or do you think do you think Villa are going to come back with a vengeance after disappointment this last weekend? Hard to... I don't think anybody likes Arsenal um, <laughs> this year. I, I'm going to say a 1-1 draw between right. Villa and Arsenal. You know what? I'm going to stick with my my first instinct, Jordan. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a two-one win to the Arsenal. Um, another defeat for Aston Villa, but nothing to worry about. At least not yet. Uh, next up, Saturday evening's clash. We'll go through all of the the weekend games in a minute just to to update you. But uh, Saturday evening's clash between Brighton and Manchester City down on the south coast. Uh, Brighton with another uh, nice defensive performance this weekend, but it's going to be tough against. City, uh, Caleb, you're first up on this one. Any chance for the Seagulls in this one? I really want to pick them. I really yeah. want to. Um, if they hadn't, you know, if this game was a week ago, I probably would have. But just 
you know, I think City has a lot of quality, although I've, I have I am very impressed with Brighton um, this year, and I hope they continue to perform well. Um, I have this down as a 2-1 victory for Man City. 2-1 to City. I am next. I, too, one. man, I would love it if Brighton were able to do something here and just keep things interesting, but I kind of agree with you. I think it's going to be another game in which Brighton struggled to score. Um, I think they're going to... I don't think they're necessarily going to... They're going to be tough to break down, but I do eventually think City are going to walk away with another 2-0 win. So I'm 2-0 to the visitors. Jordan, Brighton versus City. Damn and Adam, we are <laughs> we, we are in sync this week because... I think that's a bad that thing. Was, that's my exact thought. Um, it's 2-0 City. Um, Brighton's really missing Basuma in that yeah. midfield. Yeah. Um, and you know, for all the you know for all the defensive you know strengths that you know Brighton has with you know with uh, uh, Duffy back there, City's just gonna ninety percent of ninety percent of the possession is gonna you know end up City's way, and they're gonna score two goals somehow. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's just it's 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 tough to withstand that pressure for so long. Um, although I will, I I'm my eyes going to be on Mark Cucurella, the the Brighton left back. I want to see what kind of game he has because I think that's going to tell us a lot about his future in this game and in this league. Uh, and then finally, it's the big one. Uh, this is on Sunday, Manchester United against the old enemy, Liverpool. Um, you know. If, I've been through these before where United aren't playing particularly well, but they always show up for this one. Um, and I think it's going to be tough. It's All eyes are going to be on Ronaldo, and it's usually a time when he, he steps up and and you know and pulls it out. So I'm going to stick my neck out here, and I'm going to say, and this might be a little bit of old Adam coming back, but I'm going to say 3-2 to United. Just one of those wild card games. Uh, Jordan, the Northwest Derby, what do you got? It's 3-1 Liverpool. Okay, solid pick. I, I can see that. Um, unfortunately, just the way you know Jurgen Klopp likes to you know, start the match with such high intensity, um, and United you know, has kind of seemed listless, um, for a while now, I think they're going to. I think they're going to. Pr- I think they're going to press early, get two goals within the first half. United's going to level back early in the second half, but there's going to be like a third goal around the 75th to 80th minute that's going to seal it for Liverpool. All right, very detailed prediction there from Jordan Caleb. You're our last picker. This week, what do you think between Manchester United and Liverpool? I agree with both of you. Okay. I think it's going to be a 3-2 result, and I think it's going to go to Liverpool. All right. See, this, this, is, this is what I like. So if I can get these two points in, I'm just, that's, this, is, this is my way back up, to the top, back up toward the top of the table. Um, all right, so that's your top shelf picks hey, hey, Adam. for this week. Yes, Jordan. You had, you had me at 3-1, right? Just because Caleb said that he agrees with both of us, right? He agrees that he agrees with sure. he agrees with you that Liverpool is going to win. He agrees with me on the scoreline. Okay, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got you, Caleb. Um, uh, you understand me. I do. Uh, so, so this is your table, uh, just real quick, um, and we'll talk about the fixtures in a minute, uh, the full list of fixtures, I should say. Chelsea sit top, as we mentioned earlier, on 19 points. Uh, just behind them is Liverpool, then Manchester City and Brighton, still in the top four. Tottenham, just behind them on 15 points. Uh, Manchester United drop out of that uh, this week, just at least for a week, with 14 points right behind them. West Ham and Everton in 7th and 8th, also on 14 points. Brentford still in the top half of the table on 12 points. Like we said, Wolves have entered the top half of the table. They are also now on 12 points. Leicester, despite that win, still sit in the bottom half, but they are 11th on 11 points. Arsenal, also with 11 points in 12th. Then it's Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Watford, and Leeds. Uh, yes, yeah, Southampton, Watford, and Leeds. And then in the still winless group, uh, Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich. So not a win between them. Norwich, just two points from their eight games so far this season and your Premier League weekend looks like this it starts a little bit early this week Friday uh, Arsenal against Aston Villa <clears throat> the device in front of me at the moment says that that's going to be on NBCSN so that's the word right now but that's a 3pm Eastern Time kickoff on Saturday 7.30am Eastern Time Chelsea hosts Lowly Norwich uh, at Stamford Bridge that's also on NBCSN Crystal Palace against Newcastle is a 10 a.m. kickoff. I think that's going to be on Peacock. <clears throat> um, other 10, 10 a.m. kickoffs, uh, Everton against Watford. Uh, that's on USA Network. Leeds against Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's on NBC SN. And then I think Southampton and Burnley at 10 a.m. is going to be on Peacock. Brighton against Manchester City. That's on NBC SN at 12.30 Eastern time. Then on Sunday, we start Brighton early with Brentford. Well, not Brighton early. I guess early for a Sunday. We, we start at 9 a.m. Eastern time with Brentford against Leicester City, and that is on, I, I want to say Peacock. I'm not entirely sure, because the other game, yes. <clears throat> so so uh, Brentford Leicester's on Peacock. That's at 9 a.m. <clears throat> the other 9 a.m. kickoff on NBCSN is West Ham against Tottenham in a London derby. That's going to be a fun one from the London Stadium. And then, as we mentioned earlier, it's the big one from 11.30 a.m. Eastern it's Manchester United against Liverpool. That's on NBC SN. So another exciting weekend coming up. Some some interesting games. Uh, even before that big meeting uh, at Old Trafford. Um, all right, good show, guys. Any other notes? Anything I missed? I would say Saturday's a big uh, Saturday's my birthday. So oh yeah, for on birthday weekend we're hoping for another cottagers win although i think they play sunday but still let's keep the let's keep the win streak alive yeah keep that going why would they, they play sunday they do play tomorrow on wednesday i think fulham do yeah 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 so maybe that's why um well happy early birthday to caleb hopefully that doesn't mean more points in the pick i, mean, I think you're you're far enough ahead but you you should ask for another birthday gift jordan um, no, I just get to decompress, uh, that Sunday night Cowboys game. Honestly, I thought I was going to have a, a cardiac event. Uh, seriously, like my blood pressure was spiking so high. Um, so I get to have a week, uh, to decompress on that front. Oh, the Cowboys, uh, are the Cowboys are off? Okay. 
Yeah, they're idle this week. Uh, they go four, five and one into the bye, uh, and uh, play the Vikings uh, in Minnesota Sunday night, Halloween. Nice. So Caleb Slinkard esque performance, I think, is what the pundits are saying. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, for another good week, Jordan. You want to sign us off? Let's go eat some pies. Let's go eat some pies. Actually, I found out Trader Joe's does have – of course they do. They've got some pies, so I might have to go and get those. It's a nice steak and ale. So maybe we'll have that for next week. But until then, we will see you guys later.